Sandra, did you know that in its first few years of operation, CNN lost money and was ridiculed as the Chicken Noodle Network? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're losing money again now as people are not watching CNN anymore. We're all switching to MSNBC. CNN is on a pace to drop below $1 billion in profit for the first time in years. So, hashtag Chicken Noodle Network. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Doobie friends. I hope all you guys are doing well. Hello, Sandra. How are you? Are you still upset? I'm <laughs> mad, Neil. That's how I am. <laughs> the whole CNN thing might not seem massive news, but coming from an ex-communist country, I see what's going on. You take a media giant that did great reporting and turn it into Fox News Lite. I mean, this is how it starts. Compound this with everything else that's going on, this is the first sign that free press might not be so free anymore soon. I mean, eroding democracy one step at a time. Yeah, like your screen got eroded. So here's the story, everybody. <laughs> Sandra leaves CNN on the TV all day long. Like she's listening to a podcast. You know, she's around the house doing this and that, playing with the dog, playing with the cat, like you do with the radio. So she actually burnt the CNN logo into the TV and then had to go get a new TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, no risk of that happening again. Not with CNN, I tell you that much. I'm watching MSNBC now. <laughs> well, I mean, that's more letters than CNN, so you're going to have more things burning <laughs> to the screen now. Yeah, so now let's get into it. First, CNN fired Brian Stelter and then canceled his show Reliable Sources, which was on the air for 30 years. And then on September 2nd, John Harwood, a great journalist and White House correspondent, was pushed out of the door as well. And we'll go over the details of what got these people fired, and we'll also get into what exactly is behind CNN's metamorphosis into Fox News Lite. Or more to the point, who and why? What's the end game here? Yeah, we're going to go over it all, but we need a bit of history first. It's relevant because it gives some context to the absurdity of all of this now, I suppose. So Cable News Network was the brainchild of Ted Turner, uh, who was married to Jane Fonda at the time. And it was based on a revolutionary concept that changed the notion that news could only be reported at a fixed time in the day. CNN was the world's first 24-hour television news network, and it made its debut on June 1st, 1980 from its current headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. As we said in the intro, in its first years of operation, CNN lost money, you know, hand over fist, and was ridiculed as the chicken noodle network. <laughs> but they grew, covering events all over the world live 24 hours a day. If at that time their audience was expanding, well, it's shrinking now. <laughs> and with corrupt judges like Eileen Cannon, who halted the DOJ investigation of the documents Trump stole and everything else, I'd actually say... I don't know, but it seems we're heading towards a full-blown dictatorship if he wins again. But look, this is not me being hysterical. It's facts and history. Some think that the United States can't become totalitarian because we have a constitution and checks and balances. Well, so did Italy before Mussolini, and so did Germany before Hitler, and so did my native country, Romania, before Ceausescu. 
With one judge at a time and with sycophants and yes-men in key positions, you can turn a democracy into a dictatorship in a relatively short time. And that's what's happening now. And Trump is not even in the White House, but he did enough damage since 2016 to where we are at a critical point. So please, America, try to understand constitutions can be changed. Amendments can be changed. That's why we call them amendments. Yes, exactly. And on the Constitution note, there's something even a bit more sinister going on. Uh, the GOP has a plan to remake the United States. They're plotting to organize a first of its kind constitutional convention where they essentially want to rewrite the whole thing. Ah, we should make a bonus mini episode about that, actually. What do you think? Yeah, we're going to try to do that before next week's episode. Uh, no promises, but uh, we'll give it uh, a good try to uh, get something out about that, everybody. Yes, so rewriting the Constitution and everything else that's been happening since 2015-16. I mean, I think Orwell's dystopian novel 1986 could now be made into a documentary. I mean, bear with me. We have the Mar-a-Lago documents, the pressuring of election officials to find him more votes, the January 6th coup attempt, the promises Trump is making to the insurrectionists, the lies, the documents, the attacks on the free press, the near disappearance of the wall between church and state, the overturning of Roe v. Wade the anti-LGBTQIA rhetoric, the Supreme Court's Trump-appointed judges, the other federal judges like Eileen Cannon, the threats of violence, the extremism of his base, the efforts to restrict voting in Georgia. This is an attack on democracy and it's not looking good. And on top of this, we have the whole CNN situation, which is not insignificant in an election year and so close to 2024, the presidential election year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not. And when you put all these things together like that, uh, what, are you trying to give the listeners a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I just feel that we can't do this CNN episode without talking about all this stuff. You know, it's kind of like context and it also matters, right, to the subject. So I feel like it's needed. Yeah, the timing of the whole CNN thing is dubious to say the least. Everything that unfolded since April at CNN, really. But Back to our CNN bit of history. Despite losing money, Ted Turner continued to invest in building up the network's news bureaus around the world. And in 1983, he bought Satellite News Channel, which was owned in part by ABC, and thereby eliminated CNN's main competitor. So CNN eventually came to be known for covering live events around the world as they happened and he was beating the other major news networks to the punch. The network gained significant traction with its live coverage of the Persian Gulf War in 1991, and they grew even more into the media giant they are now, became known and watched worldwide for their excellent reporting. I mean, I remember I went to Tunisia on vacation, and that was more than a decade ago. Uh, the TV in my hotel room had a bunch of TV stations in Arabic and French, the two languages Tunisian people speak. And then there was CNN. I mean, that says a lot. They were a respected, trustworthy source and their reputation until recently, you know, was close to impeccable most of the time. And anywhere you would go in the world, there are the local stations. And if they had nothing else, you could count that they would have CNN. Yes. And you're right. The first Gulf War was the big deal that put CNN on every TV in America, too. But today, the tone of what's being broadcast has changed. 
it's diluted. You know, instead of uh, coffee, you get two parts water uh, with your coffee. <laughs> They're using euphemisms instead of using the words that uh, describe the actual thing that they're talking about. You know, it's like they're uh, they're kind of wearing kid gloves. Yes, and the image I have in my mind is like this beautiful wild animal that has been captured and tamed and now is defeated and jumps through the hoops put in front of him. Also, don't go to zoos, guys. Donate to wildlife-focused organizations. Thank you. <laughs> and then there are jaw-dropping comments or remarks like this one from CNN hosts like Jeff Zeleny. This is what he said right after Joe Biden's Soul of the Nation speech. I quote, There's nothing unusual or wrong with the president delivering a political speech. It's inherent in the job description, but doing it against the backdrop of two Marines standing at attention and the Marine band is a break with White House traditions. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, like, how? Uh, wait, wait, wait a second. So, first of all, defending democracy is not a political thing, but the Marines, what's with that? He's trying to make an equivalence and portray everything as if there's two sides and they're both doing the same thing because that's what he was taught to do at some point in his past. But look, Marines have been part of presidential events since there was a Marine Corps. I mean, there's a Marine stationed outside the Oval Office the whole time the president is in there. They never leave until the president leaves. I mean, there are Marines when uh, the president gets out of the helicopter. There's always Marines around the president of the United States. Exactly. And I mean, what is the underlying implication of such a comment? You know, that Biden is some kind of totalitarian dictator because the Marines are military and like, what? He's not the one who's into coups. I mean, he is the president. He doesn't even need to use the military to do anything like that. It's insanity. I don't get it. I mean, this is Fox News, uh, Newsmax and OAN type of BS. And hearing it from the CNN national affairs correspondent is all the more worrying, especially at the time when we are really facing a dictatorship. If Trump wins in 2024, I, I can't think of another word. I'm trying. I don't want to be alarmist, but that is the truth. That's what I believe. And by the way, there's also this. A CNN panel lady compared a literal Nazi who has posted photos of him online as Hitler with a tiny mustache and all. So this guy was arrested for attacking the Capitol and became a poster child for the Trump crowd at their rallies. So on CNN, they compared this guy who was made into a hero at the Trump rally to the Marines at Biden's speech. They said these are both pretty much the same thing as in, I quote, these are issues with optics. I mean, <laughs> you know, I saw the, uh, the, the image you're talking about posted in one of the predominantly conservative Facebook groups uh, that are about local stuff around where I live. And, you know, it's like, wait a minute. Uh, last week, Joe Biden was senile, and now he's Hitler. I mean, you guys have got to pick some one or the other. It's like those both don't work <laughs> together. So Yeah, but logic has departed their ship a long time ago. That's right? true. Or what's the expression? That ship has sailed? It would have to be there for it to depart, yes? <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> I mean, people may or may not like Joe Biden, but uh, putting an equivalence between him and uh, and the Trump administration is a bit insane. I don't worry much, typically. Usually you can just chalk up all this stuff to churn for the fundraising emails. But, I mean, Roe versus Wade is overturned. And at the current trajectory, Republican legislatures will have enough votes to call a constitutional convention. 
So I must admit, all this stuff is a bigger deal than it was in recent years. Yes, exactly. And anyway, my dubimeter alarms about CNN went off a long time ago when Major Biden, the first shelter dog to live in the White House, nipped some Secret Service agents in March 2021 when he was still acclimating to the very busy and stressful new environment. And it was a CNN reporter who first broke the news. Really? So it was CNN who got uh, the poor puppy Major in trouble for biting a Secret Service agent? So, hashtag major new. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was a CNN reporter, Kate something. I can't remember her name, but she mostly focuses on non-important issues like fashion-y type of stuff, like what designer Jill Biden wore at such and such events, stuff like that. I do remember looking at her Twitter page, though, at the time and thinking, hmm, kind of weird that she works for CNN, not necessarily because of the major Biden article, But the tone of some of her other tweets was like off, like she seemed to really look up and admire Melania Trump. I don't know. It was just a feeling. There wasn't anything I could put my finger on. But this was a while ago, right? I was like, what the f***? Anyway, she's no Kelly O'Donnell from NBC. I love Kelly O'Donnell, by the way. And people, don't worry about Major. He's happy and stress-free and loved and cherished. We did a whole episode about the dogs, Champ and Major, and many other White House pets like Barney Bush. It's called Politicizing Presidential Pets. (laughs) And don't judge us too harsh on that episode. It was one of our first ones. The editing may not be as uh, crisp and clean as it is these days, but... It's uh, still a good episode. If no, for no other reason, we make fun of Rudy Giuliani a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we got to make one more small digression here before we get into billionaire John Malone and his role in this whole CNN fiasco. The Soul of the Nation speech, the speech Biden gave on September 1st, will remain in history as the most important speech of his presidency and political career, and for good reason. There was not one word in that speech that was wrong. That speech was exactly what it needed to be. That's my opinion, yes. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, when Joe Biden came into office, I was not his biggest fan. But here's the thing. I have to give him credit for stuff like this. Ending the Afghanistan war when nobody else would do it in 20 years. Coming out and actually saying, wait a minute, these people that I'm running against are bad news, and this is why. For the longest time, we have kind of just gradually slip-slided down a little slope without anybody wanting to upset anybody on the other side and just turn a blind eye to these things. And, um, you know, the right wants it that way on purpose. They have an incremental long-term plan. So America should be careful for that reason. You know, this is coming up on a crossroads. I don't think he was wrong. And when Trump refers to, you know, the fairly elected president, regardless if you like Biden or not, as enemy of the state, then take a minute, listen to that, and think about, well, okay, where does that go from here? Very good point. That verbiage is reminiscent of Ceausescu, our Romanian dictator, Putin, Lenin, Stalin, and Hitler. Nicolae Ceausescu, as all dictators do, called everyone who dared to call him out on his BS an enemy of the state. The enemies of the state were political opponents, teachers, doctors, anyone who dissented, especially intellectuals, and they were all rounded up and taken to forced labor camps or disappeared. Yes, and your country was not the only one that happened in. That's a playbook, too. Mm -hmm, Exactly. It's textbook totalitarian leader. 
type of shit. Yeah. I mean, I know we're going to do an episode about the Khmer Rouge at some point, but that was exactly their plan. And what Trump said next in the September 3rd rally speech is also disturbing. Uh, what part? Because everything he said was disturbing <laughs> and terrifying. <laughs> I mean, at some point he said, and I quote, last week, the weirdo, he's a weirdo, Mark Zuckerberg came to the White House, kiss my ass all night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start. He's, I mean, Trump has been out of the White House for more than a year and a half. Also, kiss my ass all night. I mean, I refrain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how are you gonna call that other guy a weirdo when you think you're still the president and you're still in the white house <laughs> like and still his base is still convinced that biden is senile and trump is like compus mentis which is obviously fucking the nuts. only thing we can all agree on is that mark zuckerberg is in fact a weirdo i mean but anyways that's insane the whole thing is insane but i'm referring to this part in particular quote our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister, and evil people from within our own country. That is true, but not in the way that Trump thinks it is. There's a, he's yeah. missing the mirror to look in uh, at that point. So, I mean, we know that he's offering pardons and perks to the uh, people that uh, participated in the insurrection on January the 6th. And he's sending clear signals that he's not above trying to cause another coup. Agreed. I mean, that is terrifying, to be honest. And it's not just him. Lindsey Graham said in connection to the whole top secret documents disaster, I quote, if they try to prosecute Trump, there will literally be riots in the streets. And my reaction is, yes, violence will happen, you deplorable f***ing piece of shit, because of you and your party. You all lied to these people intentionally and constantly for years, and you transformed them into brain-dead zombies to the point where they wanted to overturn a fair election and hang Trump's own vice president for respecting the law, to the point where we have white men with tiki torches marching in the streets yelling, Jews will not replace us. And now you want more of that, you want to end democracy, so you're inciting them again, you spineless motherfucker. <laughs> I agree, but calm down. You got to do your yoga thing again. Uh, not the Buenos Aires yoga thing, just the, just your yoga thing. But we got to finish this episode. No yoga today because we have loads to talk about. I'll try to be calm, but it's hard. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about John Malone. Who is this guy and what does he have to do with CNN? So John Malone is a right-leaning billionaire, a libertarian. He's a close friend of the Murdoch family and a key Warner Bros. Discovery board member. In 2021, CNN and AT&T spinned off and combined Warner Media with Discovery. So now CNN is a Warner Bros. Discovery uh, WBD entity. And with this change of corporate hands came a new board and new masters. John Malone, a Fox News fan, has deep and long-standing ties with David Zaslav, the CEO of WBD. People close to both men insist that Zaslav is remaking CNN because he wants to, both for business and editorial reasons, and not because Malone has told him to, but... We're a bit skeptical, aren't we? <laughs> More on that later. In an interview with CNBC in 2021... Malone said, quote, I would like to see CNN evolve back into the kind of journalism that it started with and actually have journalists, which would be unique and refreshing. Well, I have some breaking news for Mr. Malone. 
evolving back is an oxymoron with accent on moron. <laughs> well, libertarians are not big readers. <laughs> I mean, I think the word he's looking for is regress. I get the point, flawed as it may be, but the delivery is sh**. <laughs> well, we're not done. In the same interview, he proposed a model. Quote, Fox News, in my opinion, has followed an interesting trajectory of trying to have, quote, news news. I mean, some actual journalism embedded in a program schedule of all opinions. He also said, according to Vox, that, quote, a time of change is coming. Hmm, what else do we know about John Malone? According to Vox, he was raised in Connecticut and graduated from Yale with degrees in economics and engineering. And from there, he moved west and made his fortune by getting in on the ground floor of the cable TV business in the 1970s. In its earliest years, cable TV was sold as a way to deliver broadcast channels in areas where normal TV antennas did not work, like the Rocky Mountains. So Malone built his Denver-based company, Telecommunications Inc., into a cable TV giant, and he did that by rolling up a series of small mom-and-pop operators using debt financing in a pretty typical American corporate takeover story. And then he used his power as the distributor of this content to take ownership stakes in cable TV programs like Fox News and QVC. And finally, he cashed out by selling to AT&T for $48 billion in 1999, which is also stereotypical. When a thing has reached end of life, call AT&T. They will pay too much for it because <laughs> AT&T are experts at missing every boat. <laughs> well, we just ensured that AT&T will never be a sponsor on this podcast. <laughs> well, you know. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> we weren't going to worry about anyways, and there are some hills that I will die on, and AT&T <laughs> ruining HBO is one of those hills. Turn HBO free. Let it go back to independent, uh, high-quality TV. And AT&T, you're not going to be my friend. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I watched House of the Dragon. The new, you know. Yes. It's so good. You well, should start it. I will. I promise. I haven't gotten to it yet, but we're going to. And since he sold to AT&T, Malone has bought and sold and swapped companies and stakes in companies repeatedly, like we're changing socks. That's how he managed his portfolio. <laughs> but he always made sure to keep his taxes as low as possible. Well, of course. Of course. And now he owns a portfolio that includes serious ownership in everything from satellite music service, Sirius XM, to Atlanta Braves, to Live Nation, the concert and ticketing giant. The ones that organized the Astroworld concert in Houston where 10 people died from compression asphyxia and hundreds were injured. Wait, what? How is that a concert? What are you talking about? Yes, it was a mass casualty event. There were too many people, bad organizing, bad layout of the space, probably to cut costs, and there was a massive crowd surge. People, mostly very young people, died, including a nine-year-old child. It was insane. I mean, their bodies were compressed by other bodies around, not on purpose. Those people couldn't move either. There was no space. And some got squished so bad that there was not enough space for their chests to expand and let air in their lungs. Horrific. I mean, imagine dying with oxygen all around your head, your face, and not being able to take a breath. All of this was organized by Live Nation, huh? So the concert company in which John Malone 
owns a considerable stake. Yes, and Live Nation has a long history of safety violations. It's the money that matters. Basically, this was a disaster waiting to happen. Anyway, until 2021, Joan Malone was the biggest entity behind Discovery 2. And then in 2006, he plucked NBC executive David Zaslav to run Discovery. Speaking of discoveries, let's not forget to tell everybody about our premium episodes. Yes, guys, if you like our content and want to discover more of it, you can become a patron and get all of our premium episodes. We have quite a bunch already. We put out two premiums a month. You can become a patron on DubiousPod.com or even easier. Just click the Become a Patron button in our episode notes right here in the app you're listening to. Yes, and one more thing, if you become a Dubious patron, you'll get all our content, the free episodes and the premium episodes ad-free. But not drama-free, there's always that. Yes, because you're a drama queen, everyone knows it, Neil. Yes, I'm a sensitive (laughs) boy. So you are the most dramatic person I know, though. Uh, I'm requesting a special master to review that statement. (laughs) (laughs) One from the Cali cartel, or can you just have one from Miami? I mean, these are important (laughs) distinctions. I'm getting Eileen, what's her name? (laughs) Anyways, let's uh, get back to our boy Malone. There's one more thing about Mr. Malone. He made a $250,000 donation to Donald Trump's 2017 Inauguration Committee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, now we know what's happening at CNN. John Malone, right-wing billionaire and admirer of Fox News, is probably in charge, like de facto in charge, and pulling the strings from behind the curtain. Yeah, so CNN, as Sandra said earlier, is now faux news light. Yes, faux, F-A-U-X. Malone has denied that he is directly involved in any decisions about CNN. Multiple current and former staffers who spoke to other people in the press are indicating that Malone is indirectly dictating an agenda to Chris Litt, the new installed CNN boss, though. So, the facts are... Malone made those comments in November. In February, Zaslav announced he was hiring Chris Licht to run CNN. We also know from Vox that Zaslav is, quote, in awe of Malone. Malone is his mentor. Somebody also told Vox, quote, anybody who underestimates the amount of space that Malone occupies in David's strategic mind and emotional bandwidth has just not followed the last decade. And from what I've read, Litt, the new CNN boss, has kept a lot of important decisions secret, with members of his own management team being left completely in the dark about what the next moves are. And this makes everyone at CNN nervous, of course. People don't know what's going to happen next and who's going to be fired next. Yes, so Brian Stelter, the news of his departure was supposed to be made public on Friday, August 20, via NPR, actually. But according to Confider, the news leaked early to two conservative outlets, the Daily Mail and the Tucker Carlson-founded Daily Caller, which were both tipped off on Thursday morning. And, of course, Tucker Carlson is the golden child of Fox News. Uh, So isn't that all a bit dubious? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it is. But I'll tell you exactly what is even more dubious. Brian Stelter and John Harwood have both called Trump a demagogue. That's the exact word they both used in their last appearance on CNN. On that note, I'd like to ask all our listeners to kindly follow them on social media to amplify their voices. On Twitter, John Harwood is at John J. Harwood, and Brian Stelter is, of course, at Brian Stelter. Now, Stelter has always called out right-wing media for the lies and disinformation they spread, just like John Harwood. And on this last show, he rebuked CNN's new brass, to quote The Guardian, and he did it brilliantly. We'll link the video to his entire show, all 7 minutes and 48 seconds of it in our episode links. It's going to be the first link in our notes. I recommend you guys listen and watch all of it, but for now, this is just a small fragment. Let's hear it. Here's what I do know. I know it's not partisan to stand up for decency and democracy and dialogue. It's not partisan to stand up to demagogues. It's required. It's patriotic. We must make sure we don't give platforms to those who are lying to our faces. But we also must make sure we are representing the full spectrum of debate and representing what's going on in this country and in this world. That's why CNN needs to be strong. Well, they're obviously not since they're getting rid of their best people for telling the truth on a news show. And who knows who's next? Exactly. But you know what's really dubious? That CNN allowed Stelter to have one last show in which he could tell the truth of what's going on, what direction the new leadership is leaning and how dangerous that is. To me, this is like a hostage situation metaphorically, like all the CNN employees and anchors spoke through Brian Stelter to their viewers as he was in a position where he had nothing to lose. He was out of the door anyway. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. And... Next through that door was John Harwood, who on September 2nd posted this on his Twitter account. Quote, Personal news. Today's my last day at CNN. Proud of the work. Thanks to my colleagues. I've been lucky to serve the best in American media, St. Petersburg Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, the NBC family, and CNN. Looking forward to figuring out what's next. I like how he said a lot without saying it. NBC was family, not CNN, though. I love the shade. <laughs> <laughs> well, family doesn't discard you for uh, doing your job properly, I suppose. Right, and the timing is interesting. John Harwood announced his exit from CNN on his Twitter account a day after he spoke favorably of Biden's All of the Nation speech in primetime. This was the last thing he said on CNN. Let's hear it. Well, look, they are standing by the message that President Biden offered. Of course, it was a political speech. We're in a midterm reelection year. Uh, the issues that he's talking about are inherently political. But I think it's also important to say that the core point he made in that political speech about a threat to democracy is true. Now, that's something that's not easy for us as journalists to say. We're brought up to believe there's two uh, different political parties with different uh, points of view, and we don't take sides in honest disagreements between them. But that's not what we're talking about. These are not honest disagreements. The Republican Party right now is led by a dishonest demagogue. Many, many Republicans are rallying behind his lies about the 2020 election and other things as well. And a significant portion or a uh, sufficient portion uh, of the constituency that they're leading attacked the Capitol on January 6th violently by offering pardons or suggesting pardons for those people who violently attacked the Capitol, uh, which you've been pointing out uh, numerous times this morning, Donald Trump made Joe Biden's point for him. Well, this is true and somewhat depressing. Getting this man fired for saying it is even more so. 
Yes, and look, there's much uncertainty over what's going to happen next, which anchors will toe the line and which are going to leave. Reportedly, everyone is shaken and in disbelief at CNN. I mean, time will tell. We don't know what exactly will unfold next, but we know why things are changing. Adam Parkomenko, a Democrat strategist and consultant, tweeted this on the day when Harvard was fired. I quote, the new head of CNN met with congressional Republicans and is now checking off their to-do list. Well, that pretty much sums it up. That's about all there is to it, right? <laughs> exactly. And look, online, some people are saying, what's the point of turning CNN red, you know, making it uh, into Fox News? The Fox News viewers won't go for Fox News Lite when they have Newsmax and OAN. And CNN viewers will just watch MSNBC or NPR, and so CNN will go broke. I mean, these people have a point. CNN's already been losing a lot of money since WBD took over. Yeah, before we get into the money, the reason for that, and Sandra and I discussed this before we started recording, if you guys haven't seen the documentaries that CNN did for each decade of America's recent past, like there's one for the 60s, one for the 70s, one I for love the 80s, those. they are some of the best things yes. I've ever seen on a TV screen, and it's because... We live in a TV society, at least in the 20th century we did, and the CNN archive is that history. They are the only ones who have it all. So that's why. Yes, and I was going to say that, really, that's one of the reasons that this hurts so much, because it's not just their news, right, and the anchors. It's the late Anthony Bourdain. It's all the stuff that I'm going to miss, right? Yes. I'm going to miss it, because you listen to these people, you watch that TV station for a few years, you get attached in a way, and it hurts to see them transformed into whatever they are now. And back to the money, I think it's important to clarify, there's a valid argument to be made that the change of direction at CNN is financially motivated. It probably is. It's connected to ratings, you know, the target demographics, the cord cutters, as they're called in the TV business and so on. And after the failure of CNN Plus, it would make sense that they'd think of a strategy to tweak those profits and try to increase them. We just think that the money is not all, and the money is just part of it. Election years are big profit makers for TV news anyway. Yes, and now with the ratings plummeting as lawyer viewers like me are switching completely to other news channels, they're not in a good position financially, but... Money is not Jones Malone's goal, not entirely in this case, and not right now. My personal opinion is that he's playing the long game. CNN is, you know, it's an institution. They are important, and any country you go to, like we said, for news, you always watch CNN. This is not only about profit at this point. It's about destroying a bastion of free speech, eroding democracy, muzzling a giant of journalism. I mean, this is setting the scene for when the elections are approaching to help a demagogue get in power again. And then the money will flow like the Nile, because there are ways to make that happen. That is the end game. Good thing we can say demagogue. Nobody can fire us because we don't have bosses. <laughs> demagogue, 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 yes. But seriously, I'm not exaggerating. This is how it starts. This is what Putin did in Russia. He ultimately had two or three of his closest mobster oligarchs to buy all TV stations, radios, and newspapers, little by little, one by one, including Berezovsky's Channel One, uh, which was one of the few free stations left until there was no free press anymore. And 
and the few journalists that continued reporting facts and telling the truth were murdered, like Anna Politkovskaya, murdered by the FSB on Putin's order on his 54th birthday as a birthday present. They killed her. I mean, I got goosebumps. And Berezovsky was killed as well. He was suicided, found hanging in his bathroom, but the marks on his neck were found when examined by a family-appointed medical examiner to be consistent with strangulation from behind, which are not the same marks you would get from hanging. Exactly. So I know some listeners might think I'm crazy, but nope, I still remember Ceausescu, what life was under communism in Romania before the 1989 revolution, and I see all the trademarks of a dictator in Trump. I've said this since 2015, but we had no podcast then. I mean, if this guy wins again, mark my words, there will be no free elections afterwards. That's it. I'm surprised you didn't mention again that you were very young when the Romanian Revolution (laughs) happened, just so you can rub it in my face that you're a millennial again. It's not my fault that I'm young, beautiful, and oh, so smart, and modest too. (laughs) Well, I don't know about modest. That's a bit of a stretch in your case, I think. Well, as my dad used to say, modesty in the extreme is the quality of people who have no other qualities. Okay, so what does your dubimeter say about the CNN purge, 1 to 10? I mean, it's shocking to think what CNN is now. I mean, they're no longer CNN, basically. It's Fox News Lite. So in that sense, my dubimeter is a 10. Am I surprised that right-wing leaning billionaires are following the totalitarian takeover textbook step by step? I didn't expect this to start happening now. But no, not that surprise. So that's a six-ish on the dubimeter scale. So as an average, dubimeter is eight. Yes, yes, I'd say so. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I'm not surprised at this either, you know, buying up a company and then extracting what value it has left and just keeping it for yourself is a pretty stereotypical scumbag uh, finance guy's MO in America too. But I agree that this has an ideological slant that those takeovers usually do not have. So, yeah. Well, this is all we have for you guys today. Hopefully the future is better than uh, what it looks like at this moment. I suppose I'm still optimistic. But as George Carlin said, quote, don't underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. guys and vote 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 as if your freedom depends on it because it does and if you like our content and want to support us please become a patron yeah and we are at dubious pod on all of your social media platforms let us know what your dubimeter says do you agree with our level eight for this episode and that's it that's all we got for this week thank you for listening doobie friends and see you next time 